0: Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. On this week's show, we have a jam-packed episode, so we hope you enjoy it. So sit back, relax, grab a cold beverage, and let's talk everything there is to know in Louisiana outdoors. This episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors podcast is also brought to you by Blonde Grass Camouflage Systems. Welcome to the most realistic, durable, and versatile camouflage system available. Tired of constantly having to rebrush your blinds? The smell of rotting grass in your blind? Or grass that pokes and cuts? Or grass mats that have no depth in color and don't last throughout a season? No more cutting brush. Our patent pending blind grass will not rot or mildew and is 100% waterproof. It's available in mats or bundles for any application, whether you have a permanent blind, a boat blind, or a small layout blind. And it comes in natural dead grass colors, and it's paintable to match your unique surroundings. You can visit us on the web at www.blindgrass.com to place your order today. This episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors Podcast is also brought to you by SRD20 Boat Products. It shouldn't be hard work. SRD20 products use advanced nanotechnologies in its formulations explicitly designed for boat maintenance. From boat waxes for detailing to waterless washing wax products, SRD20 has boat care products that keep your boat protected from the elements and looking brand new. Visit them online at www.srd20.com and enter promo code LASTSTOP. For twenty percent off all SRD twenty products today. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors Podcast. As always, I'm your host Jacob Robbery, and as always, we have Jackson Robbery joining us today on this episode. Or many of you who follow him on social media know him as X Hunter. So if you're not familiar with his social media pages, guys, I invite you to go check him out. X Hunter on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, uh, pretty much all the social media platforms. So Jackson is good to have you back on the show today. Thanks for joining us, man. How's it going? It's going good. Just
1: taking a ride.
0: Taking a ride. We are on the road today, guys, and we are, uh, we are coming back. We had to run the boat by, uh, by the shop I guess this afternoon you could say we had a little malfunction with our uh, mud motor on, on, a, on a manual trim that we, were, uh, we had to do a little replacement on this afternoon. So after this morning's hunt, we, uh, we got home and we noticed that we had a little uh, issue with the trim on the mud motor. So called them up, called up uh, you know the, the company that manufactures them here in Louisiana, which is Copperhead Mud Motors. Uh you guys know that we're running a, a a copperhead mud motor this year. Uh we swapped from a beaver tail long tail that we've been running for years over to a surface drive this year, guys. Picked up a good deal on a little pre-owned one and uh and we're running that that surface drive this year, which is a pretty big change for us huh, Jackson.
1: Yeah.
0: We never we never ran a surface drive before. Never ran a surface drive before as far as us you know duck hunting together we've never ran a surface drive before what's your what's your thoughts on the new surface drive i know we were talking about it uh this morning what you like it i mean is it something that you you think benefited us this year or or what? what's your thoughts on it
1: yeah definitely just because of like hitting all the stumps and all that just beating us up and stuff with the with the long tail and then like it's definitely a a much lighter uh motor but i think like even though it's not the same horsepower i feel like it goes a little bit faster than our other motor
0: just because of the weight of it yeah yeah i agree with that you know we downside we were running a 35 horsepower long tail for for years now that was the first mud motor that we had and honestly that thing never let us down once that was a that was an awesome deal as far as reliability goes power couldn't ask for more power out of that thing we never got stuck never had an issue with it and uh and then we were kind of concerned when this little deal came along to uh, to pick up this little pre-owned copperhead this year because it was a 23 horsepower as compared to a 35 that we were running but whenever we looked at the specs on everything you know I, i looked at the weight differences and it was about 120 pounds lighter than the 35 that we were running long tail so i was hoping that we would, you know, kind of balance out, maybe get the same speed because the long tail is not really a fast engine at all. You know, so we were getting, we were somewhere in that ballpark of about 18. Uh, you know, on a good day with a wind at our back, we'd get about 20 with a load in the boat, a duck hunting, you know, load, decoys, all that type of stuff, guns and passengers. Um, and I was hoping that we could kind of be somewhere in that same ballpark, but not have the wear and tear on the body like we had with the long tail. And, uh, turns out that we, we actually getting a little bit more speed out of this one. Um, you know, going to a 23, but lightening up the, the weight on the motor, we're, uh, we're pushing right now with the prop that's on the motor, uh, or that was on the motor. We were getting somewhere around 22 to 23 miles an hour out of that setup with the 23 copperhead, which is, which is pretty impressive. I have to be honest with you on a 1648, uh, hull with a, a guy my size that's three hundred pounds. You know, you got you. This morning we had your brother in it, and then all our gear ready to go on a, on a hunt. You know, a normal hunt. So pretty impressed with that. But uh, but like we mentioned, we're actually headed back from Copperhead, man. And I have to say, uh, phenomenal, phenomenal customer service. The little issue that we ran into on today's hunt, um, called up Copperhead and the owner himself, uh, Gil, Mr. Gil, answered the phone day before Thanksgiving. Told him the situation, told him we had a little issue with the manual trim on the motor, um, that it was a pre-owned. You know, we were the second owners of the situa- of the motor, and uh, and we had a little situation going on with it. Asked us what it was, and he said, look, I wasn't planning on staying here all day, but uh, if you guys want to do some hunting over the holiday," he said, bring it on by. He said, come on over. He said, it's about an hour and a half drive for y'all from Gonzales. He said, bring it on over. I'll take care of it. We'll get it fixed for you and get you guys back on the water. And uh, man, I have to say, you don't find many companies like that nowadays. Uh, you know, I got a really good relationship with Go Devil. Uh, a lot of you guys are probably running Go Devil Motors, Go Devil Boats. Uh, I got friends of mine, Lance uh, Coco, who's the son of Mr. Warren Coco, the owner of Go Devil. Uh, me and him are good friends. I know you're friends with his son Blaze. We've done, we've made a trip recently with them down to their place in Hackberry and i sell go devil for a living at my dealership and uh go devil is another great company that has always provided excellent customer service and uh really that's one of the top-notch companies that i've seen as far as as far as customer service goes uh until today and i saw you know that copperhead i was i was really impressed with what they did for us as a as really not a direct customer buying a new engine from them but a but a pre-owned one right yeah and we, uh, we pulled up over there. We drove over to Covington this afternoon. We, uh, we pulled up at the front doors, went in, shook hands with the owner, and uh, he got us taken care of right there in the parking lot, got us going. And we ended up picking up a brand-new prop for the boat, um, a brand-new copperhead prop that they designed for their, for their motors. And, uh, you know, from what Mr. Gill told us, hopefully we'll get even more performance out of the, out of the setup we got now, you know. So looking forward to that and running it here in the next couple of days and uh, on some hunt trips it's going to be exciting to see if it makes a difference for us but shout out to uh shout out to mr gill copperhead thank you so much for the support that you gave us today especially the day before thanksgiving guys yeah. and you know at the beginning of the show i just want to wish all of you guys that we're speaking about thanksgiving we're recording this episode the day before thanksgiving we'd like to wish from jackson and myself we'd like to wish all of you and your families a very happy thanksgiving I know that we have so much to be grateful for, huh, Jackson? Yeah. It's, you know, we get the opportunity to go out there, participate in outdoors. Uh, you know, as a father, I get to take you out. This morning, I took your brother out. Um, and that's just one hunt that we had over the last couple of weeks that we've been pretty busy, man. We've been on the go. So, you know, in this episode, I figured we'd give you guys a recap, kind of where we've been, what we've been doing. Uh, as far as waterfowl season officially kicking off what's been going on you know what we've been where we've been what we've been seeing across the state of louisiana kind of you know what success we've had and what failures we've had because uh you know as public land waterfowl hunters we always have successes and we always have failures you guys know that you know exactly how that is and you know with the kids being off right now for thanksgiving break i take vacation this time of year and the reason i do that is so that you and i can hunt together we can bring your brother and uh and we've been pretty busy so i guess where i could start off at guys is a couple of weeks ago right before the east zone opened up i took a trip with uh with game changer boats our friend charlie Perilou, owner and operator of game changer boats we went down to the uh to some public marsh salt marsh down in the uh the hope dale delacro area all that area uh, a lot of you guys know it as biloxi marsh uh, or referred to it as Biloxi Marsh. So in that area, we went down there, we took a trip, Charlie and I and a friend of ours, and uh and we had a very, very good trip to kind of kick off my duck season as far as me being able to hunt. Not you know, we went on a youth hunt with you guys uh down at Hackberry a couple of weeks ago, which we talked about on the last episode. But kicking it off for me officially where I could participate in the hunt was that first trip that we took down to the uh to the marsh. Um, and we had a very, very good trip. And, you know, conditions have just been perfect so far, huh, Jackson? I'd have to say that we couldn't ask for a better situation as far as weather patterns right now uh that we've had to kick off duck season wouldn't you agree with that yeah the
1: weather's been really really good lately especially for first split like just opening up we've had a lot of cold weather and just like continuously cold weather it's not like it came and then went away it's like continuing to have cold weather and we don't normally get that till second split but it's nice to have it for opening.
0: talk open about weekend. yeah talk about man i mean this is the first time in years that i can remember us having cold weather like we've been having um, you know for the beginning of duck season here in Louisiana, especially and, and a lot of us down south wherever you are down south I mean, this is the first time we've had like you said continuous cold weather good weather patterns uh, We've got a little bit of rain. It seems like You know when you need a little bit of rain to kind of drop some some precipitation in those areas uh, that we need it to be able to make some hunts and not everybody's getting what they need but you know you're getting a little bit hopefully in certain areas to be able to help you uh get a little bit of water you know enough to be able to bring those ducks in get a little bit of uh you know ducks in your area and make some good hunts and i know that's kind of been the situation with us and when we went down to the marsh a couple of weeks ago with game changer uh boats we we had just that situation and set up we went on a monday which i love monday hunts that was the monday after the opening weekend in the west zone is when that was we went and i love being able to hunt during the weekend i'm sure a lot of you guys know exactly what i'm talking about when you get to hunt during the week jackson you in school you know 13 years old you in school so you don't you don't get that unless you are really on like a thanksgiving break like you are now or christmas break you know but the only thing with that is is that when you on break all the other people that are in school are on break and we'll get to this in a little bit but we've been seeing a lot of people this week being thanksgiving week at the boat launches this week so yeah. uh, but that monday that we went down to the uh, biloxi marsh that was i love those mondays because a lot less people at the boat launches you don't have nearly as much pressure on the birds and I think that often equates to a lot of successful hunts during the week. You know, I'm just, I mean, I believe that. I believe that there's less pressure on them. And anytime there's less pressure, you're going to have more success. Um, if you, you know, have done your scouting and you've done all your homework and you know where you want to go and you have an efficient hunt. So that was the situation with us. We ended up shooting a, uh, a three-man limit uh, that day on that Monday. And we absolutely had a blast. We had a uh Pretty much, you know, the situation down, if you hunt those areas of Louisiana and you're going down to those saltwater marshes, it is a lot of gadwall. That's the name of the game down there. Uh, you know, we look forward every year to kind of making that Monday hunt. It's almost become a, um, a a ritual that we do or a tradition that we do every year that we get together, our same little group of guys, we get together, we hunt that Monday, and uh, and we have had really good success over the last three or four years since we've put that trip together on a Monday. So, uh, but the name of the game, like I said, down there, guys, is, is really Gadwall. And you know, you hear us talk about on the show a lot of times that Gadwall is pretty much the new mallard now in Louisiana. You know, that's kind of replaced the mallard, especially in South, you know, South Louisiana. If you are below I-10 or, you know, uh, um, Gadwall is the name of the game for the most part and that's what the situation was down in biloxi marsh we were loaded up with gadwall that that trip that we went on and uh and like i told, i know jackson you were anticipating because you 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 were calling me that morning before you got on the bus to see what we were doing because you know it usually happens pretty quick right yeah i was like i was like wondering what happened yeah you wanted to know what happened and i think you, you before you even got in school that morning i think uh we had already had what i think you messaged me and we had eight gadwall down um and and it was just after legal shooting time so we had a we had a it was pretty quick it was pretty quick it was uh you know you drive from where we drove from it's about an hour and a half drive from Gonzales, uh maybe almost two hours from Gonzales, and then i meet up with with the game changer crew up around laplace and it's about another hour and 20 minutes from there, hour and 30 minutes from there. You get down there, and really it's an area where the conditions need to be right. You can't have too big of winds because there's some, you know, you cross. you basically on the Gulf of Mexico. You're right there at the mouth of the Mississippi River Pilot Channel. So you have to be very careful. You have to catch it on a good day. And we've been very fortunate that the trips we took down there on those Monday trips were uh you know, we're good weather for the most part. So we got lucky again this year. We had good cold temperatures. We had a good wind, a, a very good wind blowing that day, which is always good in the marsh. And, uh, you know, th- really the keys to our success was we just downsized that day. As far as what we threw out in a spread, we downsized. Um, I think we took 12 decoys with us, guys. You know, we were we were throwing a dozen decoys out. Uh, we had did some homework. We knew kind of where. The birds wanted to be, um, you know, and that's just part that comes with scouting. Um, uh, we had got one of uh, one of Charlie's friends that, had done some fishing the week before, and he tipped us off. They he also hunts from time to time, but he tipped us off on the area, um, where they were holding some good feed as far as the, the widget grass, um, you know, that type of stuff that the birds were keying in on. You had some coots showing up that were feeding in there, so that was also very good and uh and it just ended up being the perfect scenario for that hunt um and did really really well like i said we ended up shooting a three-man limit but it wasn't necessarily about the limit it, we we got to sit back kind of enjoy the birds watch them work they just worked perfectly in that day and uh and that and that was more rewarding really than anything and you know we shot some video we were able to cap- capture a good video that we had on that trip a bunch of a bunch of shots on camera of some birds that were killed um, that we have up on our YouTube channel, guys. So if you haven't watched it, go check it out. That video is up on our YouTube channel at Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors on YouTube. Uh, just an all-around fun trip, and I, I can't thank the guys at Game Changer Boats enough for letting us, allowing us to get together, go out there, have a good trip. And uh, and we ended up taking out on that trip a brand new boat that Game Changer Boats had just built. Charlie built his himself. He's the owner of the company. He built himself a brand new 1854 Game Changer uh, Surface Drive boat. Paired it with a Go Devil 40 horsepower FNR. and And guys, I'm telling you, that thing is absolutely breathtaking to look at. You talk about a fine boat. If you're not familiar with Game Changer Boats, guys, you need to go check them out. My buddy Charlie makes a beautiful boat. I've had several people messaged me from that YouTube video asking, Hey man, um, wh- who's game changer boats? Well, you know, what are they about? Cause that boat in the video was just fine, you know? And, uh, and they're right. I'll be honest with you guys. You know, Charlie, Charlie opened up and started game changer boats about a year and a half ago, but he has a history of, uh, building boats. He started out his career in the boat industry years ago with go devil boats. So he learned how to build boats. Um, and he's, He's just an average Joe, man. He's a good guy. He, he works at a plant like many of you do probably and, uh, and just has a passion for hunting, for fishing and, uh, and wants to, you know, has a passion for building boats, you know, and he builds a phenomenal boat, guys. So you need to check him out. If you're in the market for a new hunting boat or fishing boat, check him out on social media at Game Changer Boats. You hear us talk about him on the show all the time. And, uh, and he, I promise you, he will do you right as far as the build that you want. The colors that you want, the designs that you want, and uh, and you're gonna have a boat that's built to last a lifetime. So, uh, really enjoyed that trip. We got to take that boat out for the first time, like I mentioned, and uh, and that was just a, a really really cool cool day for us. Another another win on a Monday uh, for a new duck season. So, that's how I opened it up. And then, you know, fast forward after that, we came home. Um, e zone was scheduled to open up what this past weekend now i'm getting to be honest with you i've been off i'm on vacation like i mentioned i'm kind of getting mixed up on all my days right now but the e-zone ended it ended opening up this past weekend so jackson why don't you fill everybody in on kind of what what the game plan was for the e-zone opener kind of what we what our plans were where we went who we went with and kind of fill everybody in on that well, we went with our buddy, Mr. Joey, um, up to Monroe,
1: Louisiana, and we went hunt, uh, Russell Sage W, Russell Sage WMA. And, uh, yeah, he just, so he, he just showed us around because he was kind of familiar with the area. We, we were really familiar with it as much as he was. So. We went and he showed us around. He showed us uh, kind of the hole we were gonna be hunting, and then he kind of showed us around and told us a little bit about it. And it it was just it was just awesome to go see. And uh, he, there was there was like a bunch of birds over there and stuff, and like yeah. So there was just a bu- bunch of birds.
0: Yeah, it, it was just an awesome experience. It was. It was a cool experience. You know, Russell Sage is historically known for you know waterfowl. I mean, over the years, back in the day, I remember hearing stories about Russell Sage Wildlife Management Area. Once again, it's a you know it's a management area, so it's 100% public. It's open to the public. And uh, I've heard stories. I've seen reports on Russell Sage uh, Wildlife Management Area, which is located up in Monroe, Louisiana. So in the northeast corner of the state. Um, and it's something that we had never hunted. I, I had never hunted it, even though I had been up north in that portion not too far from there hunted, you know, places like Beff River, Beth WMA, we hunted, uh, what else is up there? Uh, oh, uh, I'm going blank on it, but uh, Tensaw, Tensaw is what I was trying to think of, Tensaw, uh, National Wildlife Refuge, we did some hunting there for years, um, but I had never been on Russell Sage, and over the last couple of years, I knew that people were talking about Russell Sage not having water, uh, they didn't have any kind of water because supposedly some pumps that wildlife and fisheries, you know, had put in there to, to irrigate the area and the bead fields and all that stuff was down. And that they didn't have the funds like you always hear. They didn't have the funds to fix that stuff. And honestly, guys, I don't know if any of that was actually true. Some of you may know that better than I know it. But, uh, but that's what I heard. That was the rumors that it wasn't as good because they didn't have the water that they needed. Uh, and they were relying kind of on Mother Nature. And if you remember... It was hot last year, Uh, you know, it was wet, but it wasn't wet enough to, I think, get the water that they wanted to have in there, Uh, so I I just don't think it was as successful from what I understand um, as it had been in previous years. But a lot of rich history with waterfowl, like I said, and I promise you, it did not disappoint. When we got up there, you know, once a year, or I say once a year, once or twice a year, I get to hunt with a good friend of mine, my best friend growing up, Mr. Troy Fontenot from Ville Platte, Louisiana, um, and we try to get together for opening weekend of waterfowl season, opening weekend of squirrel season, and then sometimes if we're lucky enough to hunt three times together during the year and see each other, we'll do it for the opener of the second split for waterfowl. So we had decided that we were gonna uh we were gonna go up to russell sage we got the invite from a guy that he knew really well and a, a guy that i knew from my hometown uh mr joey moran he invited us up there and he lives up there now joey used to go to russell sage so much he ended up meeting a a, a, a woman up there that he ended up falling in love with and married so he lives up there now and uh joey you know he works quite a bit he's all he's a, works offshore so he's you know a lot of times i think he's 14 days here 14 days gone so when he's home he has time to go and hunt and scout and find the birds and uh and he did a really good job i have to say that as far as the area that we hunted on opening morning but what i could tell you guys is that i was not prepared and jackson you may disagree with me or, or you may agree with me i don't know but i was not prepared for the amount of people that we had that we encountered on russell sage for opening weekend of the East Zone. What, what's your thoughts on that? Were you kind of surprised by how many people
1: they had? I mean, like, kind of, but not really, because, like, it's, I mean, it's public land, and they got a bunch of birds. I mean, like, if the birds are there, there's going to be hunters. Like, there's probably more hunters than birds. That's a good birds. point.
0: That's a good point. Yeah, you said, what you said there? I, I said there was probably more hunters than birds. As many birds as we saw. So we got up there on Friday, and... Joey said, okay, y'all want to ride into the Wildlife Management Area. I'll kind of show you around a little bit and uh, and show you guys where we're going to hunt tomorrow. You know, that's what he told us. So we were like, yeah, let's go. So we got up there. He took us around and he took us to two spots. He took us to the spot that he was planning on hunting on Saturday. And then he took us to another bean field that he had scouted about a week or so before that was loaded up. Absolutely loaded up with pintail at the time when he went in there and scouted. And if you looked at this bean field, it was kind of crazy on Jackson because you if you drove up in the truck and looked at it, it looked like there was no water whatsoever in there, right? Yeah. But little did you know that there was just enough water to, how, to hold all these birds. And we went out there the day before the season, that Friday afternoon, and just took a camera out with us, a cell phone camera. We had our cell phones on us. And Joey said, watch this. I'm going to walk ahead. And I'm gonna see if we could jump up these birds, see if there's some birds in there, and uh, see what's still holding in there. Because looking at the field, you never know these birds were in there. So we go into the field, or he and, and he walks ahead of us. And what happens next? He walks ahead of us, and then they just uh,
1: a bunch of birds just get up out of nowhere. We we can hear. Them. <laughs>
0: I mean, you could just hear wings just getting up off the water. And I'm talking inches of water, yeah. not a whole lot of water. Yeah, like it was like just slightly above our ankles. Slightly above our ankles. That's, yeah, I'd say that's thats probably you're exactly right about that. And, and what were we seeing? What, what was species that we were seeing that day when we scouted it? I
1: mean, we were seeing a couple of mallards, a couple of teal. Not a couple.
0: <laughs> a lot. A lot.
1: A lot of teal, a lot of mallards. Uh, Pintail. Pintail spoonbill.
0: A lot of spoonbills, man. You and I have been talking about spoonbills. Because hunting over the last few seasons, we were laughing a few weeks ago saying that we don't see a ton of spoonbills no more. You know, in the marshes where we hunt, um, you know, in the timber where we hunt, it seems like we just don't see spoonbills like we used to, right? Yeah, yeah <laughs>
1: and, like we, we, we don't normally see a lot of spoonbills except for when
0: we went there. Yeah, and you know, growing up in the rice fields, it was loaded with spoonbills, so I took spoonbills for granted. Hell, we wouldn't even shoot spoonbills, you know? We were looking for teal, we were looking for, you know, other puddle ducks and you know dabblers, and we'd pass on spoonbills sometimes. Well, hell, now, you know, being a public land hunter you take it as it comes and i've mentioned that before but you said it you said it perfectly that day you said you saw those spoon bills in the area and you told me you said dad uh now i know why we don't see no spoon bills because they're all in north louisiana apparently nowadays yeah you know so that was really cool man i tell you what looking at that day it got us fired up because there were so many birds and we saw a lot of geese a lot of geese were on the move yeah. and we went back. We were staying at Joey's house for the weekend. Um, that was the game plan. We were going to stay there. We ended up cooking Friday night, having a good time. Man, we had some drinks, just just like you guys are doing for opening a weekend wherever you are. Good old boys getting together, having a good time, getting ready to go do some hunting. And uh, and when before dark, there was a ton of geese specks on the move. A lot of migrating birds up high that were all coming out of the north just setting up to be really a a perfect scenario to be honest with you you know when you see a mass exodus and migration like that it's always good you know and those birds were all coming out the north headed south so really excited got us pumped up matter of fact got us so pumped up that we decided not to sleep that night a whole lot you know so joey said hey he says i'm kind of worried about this spot that we're trying to get to he says for tomorrow morning he says I think there's going to be a good bit of guys, uh you know, trying to fight for these holes tomorrow morning since it's opening morning. And instead of sleeping, he said, hey, he says, maybe we should just go get in line because in Louisiana, for those of you who haven't hunted Louisiana, it's 4 a.m. That's the earliest that you can enter a wildlife management area. So you can't enter it. So everybody kind of, you know, just like Arkansas as you see in in, in the flooded timber when all the guys stack up, they get into the... To the management areas at a certain time. It's the same thing here in Louisiana. And Joey said, "Hey, we probably need to go ahead and end up sleeping in the truck tonight. Go get in line, try to make sure that we get a decent shot at getting this strip, this this particular hole that we wanted." And uh, he says, "I'm thinking if we get there about eight nine o'clock, we should have a pretty good shot at getting that hole." So he said, "We're gonna we're gonna go ahead. We're gonna eat a good supper tonight." He ended up cooking a man a delicious crawfish and shrimp etouffee, garlic bread potato salad my boy joey did us right he did it up right and just took care of us man took care of us so we got that drank some drinks went out there we ate a good supper and then we said okay we're gonna go ahead and pack it up we're gonna go out get in line we went to the main entrance of russell sage that night got there at nine o'clock and when we got there at nine o'clock we were probably what truck i think we counted we were about 14 or 15 in line And when I saw that, I was like, okay, for Louisiana, that's a good bit in line at that time already. And by the time 4 a.m. came, they had guys, the way it works at this entrance we were at was you turn off of a main highway into the, you know, into the WMA road. And when we were ready to go at four o'clock, they had trucks down the WMA road at the entrance where we were all the way down the highway, stacked one behind another. And what's crazy, what's so different about up there is compared to South Louisiana that I, I was like, okay, it's, it's definitely different. There wasn't a person with a boat. You notice that? Yeah. Not a person with a boat. You know, if you in South Louisiana hunting on opening weekend, everybody has a boat. Well, North Louisiana, Russell Sage, where we were at that entrance, that particular entrance, not a single boat. If you had a boat, it was a pirogue or a kayak. That's what you had, something to paddle in, you know, a little bit of water, maybe go down a bayou, get into, you know, some timber, get into a field, bean field, something like that. But nobody had a boat attached to their truck, which threw me off right away when I see that. I thought that was kind of funny because I'm not used to seeing that, you know, it's just different. It's different, you know. So. You know, fifteen in line, and then by the time it was all said and done, and everybody took off, it was uh shoot, I don't know, man. There might have been fifty people in line, sixty people in line. I'm not exactly sure, but it was a lot. It was a lot of people. So we laugh. We take off at four o'clock. We heading into the wildlife management area. We hoping we could kind of get that spot. And we had told Joey, said, "Look, we said, look, they, he was in his truck. Me and Jackson, we, we were in our truck. And We said, look, when we get there." What we had to do was we had pierogs and kayaks with us, so we had to unload those, drag them through a field, a little bit of water in it, and then our plan was that we had to cross this this little bayou that they had, and then on the backside of that bayou, it opened up into an old beam field that was flooded, and that's where those birds were housing at. That's where, whenever Joey scouted, he had seen those birds, you know, so we coming down the road, 4 o'clock hits, everybody takes off, you know, going to their spots. And we look in front of us, and this truck door flies open on the passenger side about five trucks ahead of us. And this dude just bolts. He fall, He falls out of the truck and takes off running in the woods wide open throttle. You remember that? Yeah. Like he just took off out he, of the truck. He just took off running like he was trying to escape the truck. And, I, and you looked at me and you said, Dad, what the hell is that dude doing? And I told you, I said, that guy is running to get a spot. He is going to be the guy that's going to hold the spot while the rest of the guys get their stuff. And sure enough, that's exactly what the guy did. And I'm talking, this guy bolted out the truck like he almost fell out the truck and took off running. It was the funniest thing, funniest thing. And uh I couldn't believe it, but I, that's exactly what the guy was doing. And little did we know that, that group and that guy was running to the hole that we had planned on hunting that morning that joey had scouted out it was a little bit he took off running a little bit before we got to the hole is what it was to get a head start i guess and those guys ended up beating us to the hole but we you know this area that we were planning on hunting it was a big enough area to where we were hoping hey there's there's plenty of birds in there hopefully those birds will be able to work us we could get far enough away um, you know, to where we don't interfere with other hunters. But by the time we got to our spot, and I don't know, it's it, it still blows my mind now. By the time we got to our spot and the way that we went in there, that we had planned to go in there, like I mentioned, paddling in, dragging dragging our pre-rogs across the field, going across the bayou. You know, we had to work our butts off to get in there. But when we got in there, in this area, this around this bean field, surrounded in there, it looked like damn near Christmas because they had so many hunters surrounding this bean field that we thought we had found, you know, and we're hoping that there wouldn't be a ton of hunters in. Well, that, you know, guys, how that ends up turning out on public land. That wasn't the situation at all. So it ended up being quite a bit of guys. So, you know, opening morning, the hunt started out. We noticed a lot of birds coming in in the dark, huh, Jackson? You could hear. Yeah. You could hear the birds. While we were setting up, I had a wood duck land two
1: feet from me. I could have grabbed it with my hand. You
0: almost got hit by a wood duck, straight up got hit by it. I mean, that was the funniest thing. That thing came in and landed. Like, me and you were standing five feet apart from each other. Yeah, and this wood duck comes through. And we ended we butted up against this tree line on the edge of this B field. And that wood duck swooped in and landed, almost hit you and landed between me and you. Yeah, I was standing there. Mr. Choice said, whack him with the paddle. Whack him with the paddle. Whack him with the paddle. You'd <laughs> <with> <laughs> have got a damn fine, probably a game warden in there waiting on us. That would, have, that would have been our luck. So yeah, we had a couple of wood ducks come in that timber, like in the dark, but man, the birds that were in that bean field before dark, it was unbelievable. You heard birds flying. You heard birds just. In the beans, in that flooded bean field, they were the wings were flapping, they were getting up. And honestly, I think, you know, with the pressure of opening day, I think those, it, it kind of, with everybody being in that area we were in, it kind of got a lot of those birds up and out of there before daylight, which is really not what any of us wanted, you know. But there were so many birds in that area, in that particular area we were in, that throughout the morning, you know, they had birds coming in dropping out of the sky, locking up on the bead field. And unfortunately for us, we just weren't on the X exactly of where they wanted to be. Those guys that had beat us to that spot, the guy I'm talking about that jumped out the truck and ran, they had a pretty good group of guys that had set up on that little spot that we wanted to originally hunt that we had planned to hunt. And they just beat us to it. And That ended up being the X that day in that particular field that we hunted, right? Yeah, they just wanted it there. So you'd see the birds break down, and tell them. I mean, kind of what was going on? What was the situation? Like we, like we were just hunting. Like where we
1: where we where we were because we a couple of hundred yards
0: down from where they were where
1: we had to move and then like the only thing different was they had that one little point just out where they were and they just wanted in that little point I mean like we were like just a little bit far from them but like it's crazy how that much of a distance can make a difference Yeah
0: I mean we were we were several hundred yards away from these these guys that were were referencing and the only thing that we could see that was different we were all hunting the edge of a bean field but that spot where those birds wanted the tree line that i mentioned we were hunting up as a backdrop against that tree line kind of protruded out into that bean field just a tad and made kind of like a ridge or a point point. and that's the only thing that we could put together that those birds were drawn to that little area because of that point that difference why we don't know we're not exactly sure but I could tell you that the birds would circle us, they'd circle other people that were hunting the bean field. And you were lucky, you had to take passing shots because there were so many people shooting throughout the reserve and stacked on top of each other that you couldn't get the decoys to real, I mean, not the decoys, couldn't get the birds to decoy, really, you couldn't get them to work. So you had to take passing shots on pretty much everything. It was almost like we were on a dove hunt. Yeah. You know? Shoot whenever they come. Whenever they come close, take a shot and, and shoot at them. Uh, you know, but the, the, the guys that were on that X that we're talking about and that we're referencing, those birds, no matter what, they would kind of draw to that point. They would funnel to that point where those guys were. And they ended up shooting all morning long. As a matter of fact, they must have called another group of friends that were hunting that area in there that hadn't hunted with them, but that they knew. And I think they called those guys in after they got their limits to come in and shoot because they shot all morning and there's no way they would have shot we saw them we saw them right yeah they would the birds would funnel to them and then they'd shoot and they drop two three four you know I don't know how many guys they had in their group but it I mean with the amount of shots that those guys took that morning and the birds that we saw fall they had to have either a very large group or they they called some other buddies in that were maybe hunting next to them you know yeah. So, we ended up, you know, that opening morning, kind of disappointed to be honest with you guys, because we had we, we had a we had a small strap of birds that we were able to put together, but it's really difficult to work birds when you got that much pressure on a, on an area where you're hunting and everybody's so close to each other, you know, you separated by a couple of hundred yards. So when you you would get birds that would break down and they kind of come in, you know, shots would be fired because other groups had birds coming in. And the birds were real skittish. They were, they, you know, there was so much shooting pressure in the area, in the reserve, that the birds, after a while, they didn't even want to land. They were just trying to get away, you know, from the pressure. So we were disappointed. I'll be honest with you um, on that Saturday morning that we were hoping to get. You know, we we were pretty confident going in that we were going to have limits that morning, and it ended up not panning out that way. We still had a good strap of birds, but. It wasn't what we wanted so we, you know we were a little disappointed but we were looking forward to day two we said okay we might have to you know do something a little different or we're gonna have to maybe get it there a little earlier and kind of get that spot maybe before those other guys do and try to hunt that spot you know so that's kind of what we uh we planned on doing and it ended up unfortunately not working out we weren't even able to make a hunt that sunday because something came up with uh, Joey uh, getting called into work, he ended up having to go to work uh, offshore a little earlier than expected. And we ended up having to uh, to kind of, you know, since we were staying at his place, um, you know, hunting the area that he had all the equipment, all the decoys, everything that we needed that wasn't, you know, our own personal stuff. We ended up uh, basically just, just packing up and we had to come home. We ended up driving on on that Sunday and uh, and unfortunately we didn't get to hunt sunday so we were kind of disappointed with that that the trip to russell sage got cut short you know for us because man i i tell you out of all the wildlife management areas that i have hunted over the years i, I would tell you this guys that russell sage probably had more birds than any wma i've ever been in just hands down from whatever species it was they had pretty much everything you know all the species that you want you want to shoot a pintail you want to shoot you know a greenhead mallard you want to shoot you know whatever it is pretty much all your dabble ducks species they had it and it's it's an impressive place it really is an impressive place but uh, but like i said you know you go when you go open weekend that may be something you want to reconsider because you're going to have to fight the pressure that we saw there Uh, now from what Joey told us, it's not always like that. Of course, that's opening weekend. So you're going to see higher numbers of hunters, more concentration of hunters, uh, hunting closer together, that type of stuff. Um, you know, typical opening weekend stuff, you know, you're going to, if you want to go open a weekend, you have to be able to put up with that type of stuff, you know, and that's what we experienced. But I have to tell you, I would love to take a trip back. I would like to go back during the week. If I can hunt during the week over there again, um, I will tell you this also, have have your all your paperwork in line, your hunting licenses, WMA permits. Uh if you got a youth hunter, have that youth hunting license because there are a ton of wildlife agents in Russell Sage and they are very active up there. We were checked, we saw what, four or five uh game horns just coming out of the reserve, you know, that day that we're checking. And I know it's opening weekend, but from what Joey told us, he said it's it's you know, make sure you have everything in line when you go over there you know so you know uh, do your homework before you go but it's worth a trip guys i would tell you right now with the uh with the kick to kick off to the season that we're having right now the amount of birds that we've had down especially in, up north right now in that area i can speak for it and jackson you you could tell them that there's there's a lot of birds up there to harvest if you uh you know at least this past week there was you know that, you know things could change but that was the situation up there, and I'm glad we got to take that trip, and uh, and I really thank you, Joey, for taking us, inviting us up there, and showing us kind of a little bit of of what it was about, of some areas to, to go back and have something to draw on if we ever go back on our own and hunt it. We appreciate that, you know, but uh, but that was our trip uh, for opening weekend, guys. Unfortunately, it got cut a little short, like I mentioned, but you know, the game plan was on the way home. Jackson and I said, hey. We're gonna, uh, we're just gonna suck it up. We're gonna go back and, uh, we're gonna get back on that Sunday. We're gonna take Monday off. Or no, we didn't, actually, I'm sorry, we didn't take Monday off. We had said originally we were gonna hunt, you know, open a weekend, take Monday off, and then come back and hunt Tuesday. But we ended up going Monday and making a hunt again. So we didn't get to hunt Sunday. We came back home, we went Monday. And we went to a, a local, one of our local WMAs, a freshwater marsh not too far from the house down here, and uh, did something a little different. We, we, we decided we were going to leave the boat at home, and we kind of took some of the, that advice of all them boys up north, and we uh, we went into a paddling hole on Monday, right? Yeah, we went into a paddling hole uh, and where we just
1: had to go, where it was like just a little marsh with some cut grass everywhere, and yeah, that we scouted, and there was a, a good bit of teal, good bit of wood ducks, and a good, good
0: bit of everything, really. Yeah, we had scouted that area um, a few weeks before duck season opened up. Uh, we shot some video in there, and we had found quite a bit of concentrations of, of blue wing teal. A lot of blue wing teal. Yeah. And we were hoping that with this cooler weather, well, uh, that might have pushed some green wings down in this area that we hunted on Monday, and uh ended up panning out being a pretty pretty damn good hunt for me and you now we worked our butts off it it was it was work it was it was a job to get into where we went but we worked our butts off a lot of low water in this area particular area as far as trying to get into where we needed to get into the marsh we wanted to hunt a lot of low water and uh we ended up kayaking in there me and you we uh we, we packed a light load went in there uh being monday we were hoping kind of we were by ourselves we were hoping to be by ourselves and uh we ended up having a group of guys beat us to the spot we left at four o'clock from the launch but uh i guess a group of guys decided they were gonna they were gonna leave a little bit earlier because when we got in there they were already set up in the hole we wanted to try to hunt and, uh, and already had their decoys out, so they had to have left a little bit before legal, uh, you know, time to leave. But, hey, you know what? I ain't mad at them, you know. Well, I've done it before myself, I can be honest, and and I'm not going to lie to you guys. We've done it before in the past, you know, And when we really wanted to get a hole. So we got in the hole. We stopped by uh, where they were. They were flashing their lights at us, and uh, we had talked to them for a split second, real nice guys. Asked them if they had hunted that weekend in there. And they said yeah they said they had hunted that weekend in there but they had had a lot of pressure of uh, several hunters which kind of surprised me in this particular area we paddled into as much work as it was to get in there with low water but uh, they said that they had had some guys in there and they never got to hunt that particular hole over the weekend because they had other guys that beat them to it but the guys that had hunted it over the weekend had some success they had killed some lemons so that was that was encouraging And then me and you went out there. We, uh, we went for option B, which we had scouted out. We had a couple of backup options and we ended up hunting a beautiful pond that we went to. You know, we kayaked into it, got into it, paddled in, set up and, uh, and we ended up, we ended up having a pretty good Monday. Um, we shot really technically, we shot a limit of birds, but we ended up losing two of them in the cut grass that we, uh, that we couldn't recover. Don't have a dog. Um, that's something that we've been talking about. Maybe getting again another dog, and uh and we ended up losing two birds. So we we took home ten ten birds that we harvested on the strap, and uh and out of I mean, what what did we end up taking home? Fill them in on that. Like what species? Kind of not surprising. We ended up
1: taking uh, home a wood duck, uh, two green winged
0: teal and a cu- and the rest is blue wing tail the rest blue wing tail so still still had a large presence of blue wing tail we uh once again small decoy spread that's kind of what worked for us to be honest with you um you know and that's kind of what we've been going with starting off the season we scaling back on the decoys and i know that's the opposite of what a lot of people do but uh you know in the past you know the, the more ducks the more ducks you see uh, the larger spreads that we use. But in this situation, the areas that we hunted, we just felt that it called for smaller decoy spreads, which is what we did. And that tended to work out for us on Monday. You know, that was a really good, a really good thing for us. Um, the birds seemed to work pretty well. Uh, we even did a couple of, uh, when it got slow, we paddled around, we kind of went and and saw what we could, uh, you know, jump up and we were able to, um, you know, kind of, um, what's the word i'm using for kind of i guess sneak up on, on a few birds that we we're able to harvest and shoot so that was pretty cool shooting them out of the kayaks huh
1: yeah we, we just like we just crept up on them and uh, just tried to scare them up which worked and we ended up being three three uh, away from a two-man limit well we
0: had we ended up with a two-man limit we just lost a couple is what we did so you know so that was pretty cool uh, but yeah we ended up losing two of them that we weren't able to recover so you know but i, I tell you what w- once again i was proud of that hunt because we improvised you know when it did get slow and it kind of got stale after a little while we noticed that a lot of the, the birds that were flying that wouldn't come into our our pond that we were hunting were going into those little small potholes right yeah and you you had the idea you actually said hey you know if we're going to finish out these limits we need to kind of maybe go see if we can paddle in and see where these birds are going to. Maybe we'll get lucky and we could uh, jump up a couple and, and finish out those limits. And that's exactly what we did. That's what that's how it ended up working out for. us. So that was pretty cool. I'm glad you know to see you mature as a hunter, to realize that and have that idea. Man, I got to hand it to you. you. You ended up you ended up having a really good idea that made our hunt runner. Right you know, I told you. Yeah, you did. You did. You said that, that was your idea. Definitely. And sometimes that's what it's about, man, you know, and and when we talked about getting outside of the boat this year, guys, and and not always, I mean, we're going to definitely hunt in the boat, you know, as well, but getting outside of the boat on those days where you have a difference between finishing that limit or not finishing that limit, something like that, getting outside the boat, paddling in and going in and doing what we did there created a little bit of success that otherwise, if we would have just been in the boat, We may have never gotten, you know, Mm. or you crank up, you crank up the motor and then you scare, you know, all the birds out of the area. This, we were able to creep through going in and paddling in. And honestly, I just, I I enjoyed it, man. It was like an old traditional hunt stuff that I did before I had a, a, a mud boat, you know, that I used to do and go in when I was a lot younger and just enjoyed that. I had forgot how much I enjoyed it, you know? So that was pretty cool. I really had a good, a really good, uh, time on Monday. Now, I'm paying for it this week because I'm sore as shit, as out of shape as I am nowadays. My muscles are hurting. Everything's hurting on me. But I can't do it every day, but it's definitely something that I would like to do every so often, you know, to be able to go and duplicate kind of what we did because it worked, man. We knew that the birds were there. They weren't nearly as pressured as they had, you know, in certain areas and and hadn't got all that pressure from all the mud boats and all the boats, you know, running into an area and jumping them up and scaring them out of this particular area. So we really had a had a good hunt, another good hunt on Monday, and that made things uh, rewarding. I have to say that. I enjoyed it. I, I, to be honest with you, Jackson, I love this week whenever Thanksgiving week comes around every year. You off of school, I'm off of work, I take vacation, and we really get to put our feet on the ground, go out there and have a good time. And, uh, and kind of try to find some birds. And, and we also use the first split as a scouting type situation also, I would say. You know, wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, because, you know, it, it allows us to be able to after to hunt to go in, find some other areas. And the birds are down at that time. It's not like we're scouting before the season. Uh, You know, whenever there's no birds down here, you get an actual kind of real-time idea of where the birds are, where they want to be, or where they're not at, and where they don't want to be. So you kind of streamline your time, uh, you know, and you kind of, you tend to make a little bit better, better decisions, hopefully, and your hunts tend to turn out a little bit better. That's kind of my point I'm trying to make, you know, so that, that's pretty cool, you know, but uh, we ended up this week just to, you know, kind of close out and kind of talk about it. We hunted the last two days. Today was a pretty cool hunt. We got to take your brother out. He's a, uh, you know, my youngest son Hudson, he's a part of the crew now. He's starting to show more interest, don't you think? A little bit more interest in coming with us now.
1: Yeah.
0: What you think about that, your little brother coming with us now?
1: He needs to learn how to be a little bit more quiet. He needs to get get a little, you need know, to do some target practice with him.
0: <laughs> Why? Because, uh, Why the target practice? Explain that.
1: Well, today we came up with a new nickname for him. We, what? Call, we called him Miss, Mr. Miss-a-Lot. Mr. Miss-a-Lot? Yeah, because he misses a lot. So, we, we're, if some of y'all know, we have, like, when y'all hunt the marshes, y'all have coots and stuff everywhere, or like pool dew, or swamp chickens, or whatever you want to call it. In Louisiana,
0: we got all kind of names for them.
1: Yeah, so, well, there was a pool dew that came, and that boy shot at seven pool dew. <laughs> like, seven different times, and he missed every single one of them.
0: That comes with time.
1: And remind he's a lefty, and all of us are righties. We all shoot right-handed, he's, and he's a lefty. He's left-handed, and I, I don't know how to teach him left-handed.
0: <laughs> it's a little different for you. Yeah.
1: Well,
0: that, that comes with time. I remember, you know, when you were coming with us at that age, you were missing all the time, too, and you would get so down on yourself. You'd miss, and you'd say, I'm never going to kill a duck. I'm never going to be able to get one, and it was Debbie Downer about it, and Eventually, man, you got that first one. You ended up shooting that first. I remember that first blue wing tail that mm-hmm. you got as your first duck, and uh, and after that, it's like it started getting better and better and better. And then now, look at where you are now as a thirteen-year-old going on fourteen in January, and now you're shooting on the wing. You've you, just experience, man. That's what that's what it takes. Experience, you know. Yeah, you just got to keep going. But the good thing is, is that you know he you know, was a little different than you were. You were with me since you were five years old coming through the woods, and we've talked about that in other episodes. But it's the truth. You were We drug you with us everywhere we go. He's in a different generation altogether. He's in the video game generation now. So they want to stay home, play video games with their friends, and really we've been trying to kind of get him to come with us a little bit more over the last couple of years, but he hadn't shown a lot of interest up until this year kind of. You know, at eight years old, he started showing a little bit of interest when small game season came around. He kind of asked about it. He wanted to come. You know, now he sees us coming over the last couple of weeks as far as hunting, waterfowl, and he wants to participate in that. So it's really awesome, man. And we did not have a good hunt today, guys. Like I mentioned, we went to a freshwater marsh not too far from the house, just a local place so we could take Hudson with us. Uh, didn't want to take him too far because like I mentioned, we trying to get him acclimated to waterfowl hunting. I don't want to take him too far and him be miserable. So we took him not too far from the house. It wasn't a good day today. Not a lot of movement, not a lot of birds. Yesterday, you and I made a hunt in, in, uh, same duck wildlife management area, different area. We only ended up harvesting one teal, Um, and I don't know what it is. We could get into that more maybe on another episode but i don't know what it is with this particular wildlife management area from what i heard the reports were good on opening weekend this past weekend but then now later in the week we hunted it on what we're wednesday today we hunted yesterday we ended up with one green wing tail not a lot of birds no wind just not great conditions but i don't want to make excuses there just wasn't the birds you know there wasn't birds in the areas where we were um conditions in the area look really good the marsh looks really good got plenty of food you know plenty of food sources water levels are great right now can't for the life of me understand why there's not birds the last two days in this particular you know management area that we hunted. but you know what there just isn't so you got to move on you know the plan for the weekend is we're we were going to try to make a couple of more trips this coming weekend looking at Mother Nature and the forecast it's not looking great. They got some rain expected the next couple of days. Tomorrow being Thanksgiving. Um, you know, Friday, we may take Friday off because the weather is really not looking good on Friday. And then Saturday it's kind of up in the air. We were planning on making a trip, kind of taking a road trip, going down further south along the coast, make a hunt down in the saltwater marsh again down there. We're gonna kinda play it by ear, see what goes on for Sunday or Saturday. And then uh, Sunday and Monday, Sunday I'll be off, Monday I'll be off, but you go back to school Monday, you won't be hunting on Monday. So Sunday and Saturday, we're going to try to make it happen somewhere if we can, get back at it after the holiday and see if we can get back out there and get back on a good streak again like we started out on. So that's the game plan. I'm looking forward to it. I know you're looking forward to it uh hopefully mother nature kind of plays into that and helps us out we don't get as much rain as the forecast is possibly showing maybe we'll get another little front you know come through kind of bring some more cool weather again and uh and before you know it we're going to be done with first split already you know jackson that's hard to believe but uh
1: i'm ready to get them wood ducks ready
0: yeah no second split we got some really good wood duck areas that we're gonna hopefully get some uh some footage for you guys on for wood ducks this year um you know so we look forward to that in the second split and a lot more man i'm i I think that the big push we have a really good push that came from first split so far and i think it's going to get better if if we stick with this this uh weather trend that we have especially with the snow up north that type of stuff
1: i just hope that i just hope that come second split whenever we go hunt the timber that the cold weather stays with us yeah so we can like and like stays cold cold like in the 30s like it's been because like if it stays in the 30s we might get some mallards or just like big ducks period in the timber yeah get
0: more get more in the timber where we hunt in the timber like it it used to be you know so i'm looking forward to that as well and uh i think it's i think good things are are going to come this season man i still I feel very optimistic. I'm excited about the start to the season. I think a lot of you guys are as well. Um, A lot of you guys are out there absolutely crushing it right now. Um, You know, great reports from all across the state. And if you look at it, Jackson, we have we started out the season for youth weekend in the, you know, in the uh, marshes down in Hackberry. We were in the the eastern part, sorry, the western part of the state. We ended up moving over to the western part in the marshes had some good success. We went up north to Russell Sage, a lot of birds up there, so that's the northeast corner of the state. Really the only corner that we haven't hit was the northwest corner of the state yet. So, really uh, you know, we've been all over the state so far and a lot of good reports, so we're excited about that. So, good things to come, guys. We appreciate you. That's all we got for you today on this episode, guys. Hopefully that fills you in on what's going on. Thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts. From Jackson and myself, once again, wishing you all a happy Thanksgiving, and hope all of you enjoy your Thanksgiving, spending time with your family, and after that, guys, let's eat some turkey, let's drink some drinks, and let's get back at it. We're going to be talking duck hunting again soon on the next episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. Y'all take care. Tired of looking for that perfect hunting or fishing boat, only to see that it's out of stock at your nearest dealer? Well, welcome to Game Changer Boats. We specialize in custom aluminum hunting and fishing boats. If you can dream it, Game Changer Boats can build it. Top quality craftsmanship and attention to detail is what we guarantee our customers. And we are proudly built right here in Louisiana. You can visit us on Facebook at Game Changer Boats or email us directly at GameChangerBoats at Yahoo.com. Contact Game Changer Boats and let's see what we can build for you. This episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors Podcast is brought to you by Beaver Creek Game Calls. At Beaver Creek Game Calls, all of our calls are handcrafted and held up to the highest standards. Our goal is to provide a quality custom call that every hunter can afford. We strive every day with this goal in mind. We also take pride in our customer service because without you, we wouldn't be able to do what we love and that is to make quality custom hunting calls. All of our calls are proudly made in the USA. Visit us online at beavercreekgamecalls.com and let us build your next call. This episode of Last Stop Waterfile Outdoors podcast is also brought to you by The Can Cooker. Seth McGinn's Can Cooker is the simplest and healthiest, most convenient cooking system available. The Can Cooker takes the cattle drive tradition of cooking in a cream can and updates it for today's busy lifestyle. Pack the can cooker with ingredients and enjoy a mouth-watering, slow-cooked meal in a fraction of the time of normal cooking. Use it indoors and outdoors to cook a healthy meal on any stovetop, campfire, burner, grill, or the new multi-fuel burner portable cooktop from Can Cooker. Visit us on the web at cancooker.com.